and the captain has turned on the fasten seatbelt sign. Got a little turbulence coming up, should be no problem. Just remain in your seat until the sign is turned off. Thank you for your cooperation. Excuse me, I'm gonna go to the bathroom. Hi, excuse me. Yeah? Yeah. I need you to take your seat, the fasten seatbelt sign is on. Yeah, I'm just gonna go to the bathroom for a second, I'll be right back, okay? I understand what you wanna do. Unfortunately, I'm gonna need you to observe the fasten seatbelt sign. That'd be much appreciated. Right, it's just, I, I read on the internet that it's not against the law for me to go to the bathroom while the fasten seatbelt sign is on, so. Seatbelt sign is on. But is it against the law, though? The light is on. Is it against the law? You see that there's a picture of a seatbelt on that sign. No, but is it against the law, though? The fasten seatbelt sign is on. But is it against Sir, the law, though? Seatbelt sign is on. But is it against the law? Seatbelt sign is on. But is it against the law? Seatbelt sign. But is it against the law? It's on. Seatbelt sign is on. Seatbelt sign is on. Seatbelt sign is on. Sir, you're being difficult. You're being very difficult. Okay, sir, 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 if you would like I would not like to. I would not like to sit down. Because it's not against the law. turned off the fastened seatbelt sign, feel free to move around the cabin. Thank you for your cooperation. Welcome to Crosstown today. And that will be the dumbest video you ever see here. <laughs> but it is so true. I, when I get on an airplane, I get really nervous about this issue of turbulence. And I think it's one of the number one fears of flight that we have is, is turbulence. Uh, and it's not because it just spills stuff, you know, just because you lose your coffee or um, some things start falling out of the overhead bins, but there's also physical discomfort that goes on. A lot of jerking you around and you get a little nervous about what's happening. But I think the real problem about turbulence is the speculation that comes into your head. I mean, as non-pilots, we're sitting there and, and we're evaluating with no information the science of flight. You know, something that we've taken for granted for, for multiple decades, now we're beginning to call into question as our airplane begins to jerk around. We, we, when I'm sitting there and it begins to happen, the first time it happens, I'll be like, uh, the plane shakes, and I'll look up like, well, I'm very sophisticated, I know what's going on, it's okay. The second time it happens, and I'll be like, mm, I wonder what's going on, and I'll, you know, laugh with the person next to me. <laughs> you know, it's just a little thing, you know. And, and by the time it happens, a third time or a fourth time, I'm beginning to wonder if this pilot can handle it. You know, if he or she is capable, have they ever been through this before? Is this their first time flying this giant jet and having this experience? Then when it continues even more, you begin to speculate, I wonder if we're gonna turn around. I mean, I just wonder if we're just gonna turn the plane around and we're gonna make an emergency landing and get out of this situation as fast as we can. But then there's the big question. 
The question that comes into people's minds like me, especially if you've chosen the window seat, because you're looking out and you're looking at the tip of that Airbus 350, and you're watching that plane, you're seeing this wing going like this, and, and everything that you learned in high school did not prepare you to understand the amount of engineering that is required for a wing to do something like that, and you're wondering whether or not the wing is going to fall off. You know, and then you add to it, you know, you, you, you got that window view and I'm like uh, pressed up against it and there's humidity around where my nose is touching the window. I'm watching it. And then the flaps come back and the flaps are like way back. And it's like, whoa, they, they're going further than usual. I mean, they're going, well, I think they're going to, and then I'm wondering about the competency of the, the person that attached them to the airplane. I wonder if they tightened them up. And then, then there's these Pratt and Whitney engines, you know, that there's just this little part holding it onto the wing. And the Pratt and Whitney engines, they're actually designed to shake. And so they're shaking, they're, they're just hanging out like an apple about to drop from an orchard. And you're just like terrified. This is why I've never been to Europe, folks. I mean, just, the thought of crossing an, an ocean in this thing would just terrify me. But that's what we begin to, begin to rethink everything when we get into the turbulence. So I did a little research for those of us who are timid in our flight uh, experience and whether or not the wing is going to fall off. So I, did, I really did some research, and I got all my research from YouTube, which is a form of, you go to college, then you get your uh, master's degree, then you go to YouTube. And that's where all the doctorate work is being done, is at YouTube. So here is a video, an actual video, of Airbus, uh, and they are testing their A350. And watch what they do to the wings in this test they actually will load the wings until they snap to find out how much tolerance there is in a wing. Well, the results are is that the wing can flex 17 feet. That's a pretty, that's a lot of flex to go on in a wing, especially if you're staring at it, especially if you're sitting over it. Also, what they discovered is that the wing will not fail until over 154% of the maximum rated load. That means they designed the plane to carry a certain amount of load, then 150% of that added on top, then the wing will fail. Never in the history of commercial air flights have we ever seen this kind of load put on a wing, and never have the wings fallen off of a commercial air flight. But you know, with all that science and with all that data and all that engineering and all that testing, turbulence, while I'm on that airplane, makes me think otherwise. You know, when you're on that airplane and you're having to rely on that airplane, it makes you feel different because what you discover is, yes, that, ring, that wing is real and that wing is really attached to this fuselage, but you know what? That turbulence is real also. And not only that, it's like there's this relationship between airflow over the wing and airflow under the wing that you gotta have, so there's gotta be a certain amount of wind, it's a certain amount of airflow that's going on, and so in order to get that airflow, I've gotta be willing to go in places where I experience turbulence. And it, it kind of like, I have to experience things like this if I'm going to travel anywhere, if I'm going to see family in San Diego or any other place. And, and this is a perfect illustration of how faith and life work is that if we're going to travel with God, if we're, going to, if we're going to experience God's best in our life, then we're gonna to have to determine what we trust. And if we're going to walk in faith, we're gonna find ourselves in a world, in a universe, where turbulence is a constant. That turbulence happens to people who travel. Now, you can easily eliminate turbulence out of your life and decide that you're just gonna stay right here in Charleston and you're not gonna go anywhere. You basically would have to decide, like John Madden, that you were going to take the bus everywhere that you go. And then you got your own form of turbulence that goes on with that. And then there are certain places in the world you would have to decide, I'm never going to see them because I can't deal with turbulence. See, faith not only invites you into relationship with God, but it will put you in that place where you will experience turbulence. Now, you're going to experience turbulence in life anyway, 
why not rather travel with God while you experience that turbulence? But the question we have got to ask ourselves is, is the wings going to fall off? Are the wings coming off of my faith, my relationship with God, when things get tough, when things get difficult? Because turbulence makes life messy. It makes marriage messy. It makes parenting messy. It, makes, it causes us discomfort, and then there are times when we have a life experience that makes us question whether or not is life ever going to be normal again? Are we ever going to get there? And I think as we step back and look what's going on with the world as a whole, and then if we were to zoom into what's going on in your life, whether it's in your MRI or in your marriage or in your parenting, in your children, whatever it may be, I think we realize that there are sometimes we have experiences that Will it ever be normal? Will life ever be good? Will it always be shaking us about in this way? So let's continue with our paralleling of airplanes uh, and faith in God, because it's a beautiful correlation. And, and let me, let, if you're new to Crosstown, I, I, I teach heavily in metaphor. Um, I, tend to, I like analytical stuff, but I also like combining it with art. So at any time during this, as you hear some of the data, because you may be sitting here, it's like, I, I, I came here to listen to him quote nine verses out of the Bible. And it's like, he's talking about airplanes. What's that got to do with anything? Well, what does mustard seeds have to do with anything? Okay, I mean, it, but, but as long as we find the principles of God in it, we'll find out it's something that can really instruct our lives. So everything that you hear today, let me just kind of run it through the filter of a metaphor in your life and how God is speaking to you. So let's go into the world of aeronautics and find out what is the real definition of turbulence. And as I read this, apply it to your life. Here's the actual definition. A sudden change in airflow that can cause changes in the plane's altitude, direction, and attitude. Now, attitude is the orientation of the aircraft relative to the, to the direction that it's going. Um, and, and what that means is, have you ever seen an airplane landing on the airport or been on at the airport or been in the airplane? And it seems like your airplane's like that when it should be like that and it's coming down the runway and you'll see it in like in movies all of a sudden like the airplane will be coming down slightly turning at the last moment the pilot turns it and it lands and it's like, whoo! Well, that's the attitude, the pitch, the roll, the yaw that, that the plane can be going in the right direction but the plane is kind of wonky. And turbulence is something that comes into our lives that, cost, that, that can change the altitude of what's going on. All of a sudden, you're going on, and life is great, you're making money, you know, you're getting callbacks, your, your, your marriage is going great, or you're dating, or whatever it may be, and all of a sudden, you drop 100 feet. I mean, in just a matter of seconds, you've, you've flown into something, and all of a sudden, you're dealing with depression. And it came on you quick, and it came on you fast, and it came on you hard, and it opened everything. All the, all, all the little uh, storage areas are just now open, and somebody's violin is falling on you, and somebody's laptop bag just came down, and, and you're experiencing this, and, and it happens. There are times when it affects the direction of your life that turbulence will affect you in such a way that you thought you were heading in the way that God wanted you to head, and, and it's like you thought you were dating the way that God wanted you, you thought you were doing marriage the way that God wanted you, you thought you were doing parenting the way that, you're doing life the way that, and all of a sudden you get a little further and you, you check on your compass and you realize that that turbulent experience, you're no longer heading the way that God wanted you to head. That all of a sudden it just kind of messed up your direction, or maybe it messes up your attitude. It's like you're going through life, and you know, and, and I speaking to be uh, as a husband that I can do marriage and I'm faithful and I'm not cheating on my wife and I'm I'm not thinking about other women and all that stuff, but I can have a bad attitude. Okay, I, I can I can do all those things. You know, is it legal? Yeah, I can do everything legally, but but I can my plane can be wonky. You know, and that's why the scripture talks about how husbands are supposed to love their wives, how wives are supposed to love their husbands. You know, it's, it's not enough just to be in the air. We want to make sure the, the airplane and the direction are, are heading in the, same, are in the same way. But turbulence can throw you off. So just think about it now as we're continuing with this metaphor about, okay, have you lost altitude with God? Have you lost, is your orientation right? I mean, is it, have you kind of gone a little wonky? Or are you just heading in the wrong direction from what you know God has sent you on? 
So it required for me to look at the different types of turbulence. And I'm going to read the nine types of turbulence. There's nine of them. I didn't know that. I love my job. I get to become slightly proficient every week as I study these different metaphors about life. So it's really cool. There's nine different turbulences. As I read the turbulence, I don't want you just to look at it from an engineering standpoint, but I want you to think about, yeah, that's kind of like a metaphor of where my marriage is. Or this is kind of like a metaphor of America or how I parent or how I feel about what's happening to my child or where maybe how I'm dealing with things inside. So listen to this. Here's the first one. There's uh, the turbulence that's a result of thermal, uh, thermal heating up and convection. That's when things begin to heat up. That's when the sun begins to bake the ground and the ground begins to warm up and it begins to cause this air rising and that begins to affect everything that's floating up there. And that's when things begin to heat up around you and it begins to cause turbulence in your life. So just think about the experience that you're having right now, things heating up. Then there's wake turbulence. This is really interesting. Wake turbulence is the vortex or the wake, the swirling from a plane ahead of you. Again, and you're going to hear it repeated, the most dangerous place you are in an airplane is at the airport. It really is true. Uh, because when I started looking at all these different turbulences, most of them happen at the airport. Okay? I mean, that's really, well, this particular one happens. That's why you see, like in Charleston's airport, you'll see a, a plane come in and then you'll see another plane right behind it. But it, then you'll see another plane lined up. And they seem to be the same distance apart. It's not like just random, hey, I'm next. No, okay, I'm next. And then you get in there. No, there's actually an aerodynamic principle that's in play to allow the first jet to come through and its vortex stirs up everything and it stirs up all the air around it to allow that to dissipate for the next jet to come in so that it doesn't get caught in its, uh, you know, like vortex vapor washout, you know, just like in Top Gun. And so uh, it goes the next, and then the next one comes. So sometimes you experience this wake turbulence, meaning the turbulence that you're having is because you're following somebody that maybe you shouldn't be following, or you're following them too closely. That's something that's going on in another person's life that you're following, that maybe you're not supposed to be following, is disturbing your life. And there are times when, when there are people that we follow and we follow exactly where they go, and the more we follow them, the more it causes a disruption in our life or in our experience of life. Then there's mechanical turbulence. Um, this is really interesting because it's caused by buildings. It, it's, and the place where an airplane experiences buildings the most is at the airport. And when you're flying into a city like Boston, where, where you have to come in and you make a certain approach, you got to fly over uh, the, you know, the Hancock building or all these different buildings. These are things that, that we have made that cause turbulence to the airplane that we're flying in. And I kind of relate this personally to the, the cares of the world, the stuff that we want in our lives, the stuff that we surround ourselves with. And we want to come in and we want to land and we want to have a perfect landing. But it's, it's interesting. The more we're concerned about the stuff that we build around us, the more it begins to affect our lives and how we experience life. Then there's temperature inversion, a reversal of normal air temperature layers. There are things when it doesn't go the way that we normally expect it to go. And we experience that in life. Then there's this one, which is really interesting. It's called self-induced turbulence. This happens with speed braking. If you're coming into an airport and you're descending through a cloud and you're coming down and all of a sudden you'll see the flaps come out as the braking's happening, you'll notice that the plane will start to shudder. And, and, and the plane will... Well, that's actually being caused by the plane. Another way that you can self-induce this kind of... Uh, effect or turbulence is if you're in like in a smaller airplane and you, you bank left too sharp and you come across your own wake. Just like if you're in the Stoner River with a boat and you're going real fast and then all of a sudden you turn, you're, you're eventually going to hit your own wake and the boat's going to bop up and down. It happens just like that in an airplane. See, there are some times when the turbulence that we experience in our lives is self-induced. I would say 90% of my problems in my life are self-induced turbulence. 
something about my attitudes, some, the way that I relate to people, the way that I respond to things around me. Most of my turbulence is not God, and, and I'm not even going to say it's the devil. Uh, I think a lot of the turbulence, I know in my marriage, it's not my wife. It, I, I can vouch for her. It's not my wife. She's not causing any turbulence. That the problems that I have in marriage and parenting and relationships with people like you is usually me. I self-induce my own turbulence. You know, we self-induce our own turbulence by drinking too much or smoking something we shouldn't be smoking or, or, or maybe spending time in a place that we shouldn't be spending time. And we're kind of like, why is my life so difficult? It's like, all you got to do is do your pilot's checklist and we'll do that at the end of the service. It's like, ask God, am I self-inducing my own problems? This is so important because I know some of you who are single today, you're looking for that right person so that you can fly in the same plane together and you can have no turbulence, it's gonna be a perfect marriage. Um, make sure you're the right person. Instead of looking for the right person, make sure you're the right person because even if you found the perfect person, you still could be the source of turbulence in that relationship. Okay, the next one is frontal turbulence. That's when all of a sudden you intersect a cold front and there are times economically we're flying into a cold front right now. We're flying into inflation. We're flying into a, a gas prices that are, that are going to be astronomical. I mean, it's just absolutely crazy. I'm really questioning whether or not my car requires premium gas. I think, yeah, it's ridiculous. I, I paid $4.96, and I only get 12 miles to the gallon. I, I don't even think I can, I, I can drive this thing anymore. But there are times when we fly into a front, and it causes turbulence. Then there's mountain wave turbulence. That's stuff that you and I didn't cause. Mountains were there before we invented the plane. They were there as we fly our planes. They'll be gone. They'll be there long after our planes. So those are things that are already there. We didn't manufacture them. They're there. But as the air flows over a mountain range, on the bottom back side, I guess we'd call that the leeward side, it creates a swirl. And there, and Denver would be a place where you would experience something like this, where you experience turbulence caused by life. Raising kids. I know they're so cute when they're young. They're cute till about six months. At about six months when you're not getting any sleep, you are experiencing mountain turbulence as they keep you up. You know, and, and then when they turn 13, they're awesome. I mean, you guys are, you guys, 17, you're awesome. We all went through it. But, and you think your kid's worse than every other kid? It's like, no. There's always been kids. There's always been young adults. There's always been us. There's always been mountain turbulence. It's part of being a human being. But then there are the thunderstorm turbulences. And then this last one. This one's really interesting. It's called clear air turbulence. And I may go into this next week, but clear air turbulence is the turbulence you can't see coming. A lot of the other ones, topographical maps will show you where, an air, where a, a mountain is or where a, a, a big city is, and you can expect stuff like that. There are some meteorological maps that will show you that there's a cold front. But clear air is when everything is as it looks like it should be. And you're just kind of you know, in your airplane, and all of a sudden, you know, we're going to cruise at uh, 40,000 feet. No, we're going to go up. It's going to be pretty good. And all of a sudden, you know, half an hour into the flight, all of a sudden, see, pilots don't even know that these are going to be there. And the only way that the pilots begin to get informed is that they begin to share with other pilots, hey, when I, get up to, when I climbed up to 40,000 feet over Denver, uh, I experienced some turbulence, and they'll actually wire that information to all the other pilots that are flying into that zone. Powerful illustration about how community can help you deal with the turbulence in your personal life. I mean, really great illustration, but we'll, we'll talk more about that. So turbulence can change so many things about the flight suddenly. And just like our lives, some of the issues that we experience um, are created by other people. Some of them are part of life. Uh, some of the turbulence that we're experiencing, maybe you're experiencing right now, are your choices. It's not your wife. It's not your husband. It's not Joe Biden. It's not Putin. I mean, and those are turbulences in our lives. I mean, government, wars, all the things that we have to face. But maybe you're here and God wants to say, listen, you know, you're, 
you create the most turbulence in your life, the way that you live your life. That's what's shaking things up. That's what shakes your marriage up. All this correlates to how we live. So I love how God speaks to us about turbulence. And, and we're going to read a psalm that the language is aerodynamic. I mean, it's really beautiful how God, in, in his wisdom, knew about airplanes before airplanes were even created. And, and, and we're going to look at Psalm 91, and we're going we're to listen to how some of these elements about air flight and air travel and turbulence are actually addressed by God. Let me read it to you. Psalm 91, starting verse 1. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust, for it is he who delivers you from the snare of the trapper and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with, your, with his pinions and under his wings you may seek refuge. His faithfulness is like a shield in a bulwark. I love how the, the, the writer of this psalm, and psalm is poetry. I love the way he constructs it, and I love the way that he talks, but I, I particularly want, like one line in it because it reminds me of being a kid and, and, and the, maybe the way that I think inside. He says, I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. And it's interesting how it's, it's kind of worded because it's like, well, God doesn't need to know that information. It sounds like he's talking to himself the way that it's laid out. Me and Ireland, we go out. My little granddaughter, she's about two and a half years old, and um, she'll grab my finger and, and we'll go out almost every night that the moon is out and we'll go out to see the moon before she goes to bed. And so as we will walk out and she'll start going through this routine, um, uh, she'll say, um, uh, Papa, the monsters are not going to get us. And then, um, then she'll say, Papa, uh, Darcy's dead. That's our cat that died two weeks ago. Uh, we had the cat for 18 years. But every single day we wake up, we'll be, hi, Papa. Good morning, Papa. Papa, you know Darcy's dead. And I'll be like, yes, he is. Where is he? He's with Jesus. And it's like, oh, yes. And Jesus, he, and she'll say it, two and a half. She said, uh, he died on Golgotha. And it's like, what? You know, it's like, so, this, so I'm, I, we're out there walking and, and she'll start going through this thing. Uh, Papa, the alligators aren't going to get us. And I'm like, she thinks every monster is an alligator. When she sees Star Wars, um, she says, oh, look at the alligator. You know, it's a Wookiee. You know, and she'll say anything, anything that's abnormal or threatening, she calls it out. But it's interesting. She'll go through this routine. Papa, the monster's not going to get us. And it's like, uh, she's talking to herself. What she's doing is saying a truth that she wants to believe inside, but she has to say it outside and get an affirmation from someone who can affirm it, somebody stronger than her. And I'll say, that's right, Ireland, monsters are not going to get us. The alligator's not going to get us. And one of the things that's so beautiful about this is that God wants to change what we are saying to our souls about what we trust in. I learned it from my oldest daughter. She told me, she said, Dad, sometimes I just have a hard time believing God. And uh, so what I do is I'll quote a verse that I want to believe is true, and I will say it to myself. She said, sometimes I have to say it with my mouth so my ears hear it so it will drop into my soul. I thought, wow, okay, that sounds pretty clever. And it, but then I realized it's just like an airplane. And in order to get on the airplane, you got to verify your ticket. So you get your ticket out. You know you're boarding party three. You know, you're, you're schlepping it with me in the back, you know. And you're boarding party three. And, and so you get on, and there's, a, there's a, a check-in person. They scan it. Okay, here's your ticket. Verify your ID. And this is where you see. And you're walking. And, you're, you, and how many times do you check the number? There's rarely somebody that makes the thing. It's like, I'm, I'm in seat 41C. 
and you never check it. Don't you check it as you're walking down? Yeah, you, and you keep it in that one pocket. Everything else is jammed in the other pocket, but this one pocket, this one pocket is where my boarding pass is because I need to get it because I get like nervous when I get on the plane. I am so dysfunctional. I just realized that. So I, got, so I, I, so I get on the airplane and I'll be like, and then what I'll do, I'll take it out. I'll be like, and then we do this walking. Uh, four, five, five, like we've never counted before. Like the number system has been joggled around. And so we're counting, we're going down, we're looking at it, looking at it, but you're always verifying. And sometimes, you know what? You got to grab a hold of a verse and you got to say it to yourself. You got to look at it again. You got to say it to yourself. You got to say it to yourself. You got to say, the Lord is my shelter in whom I will trust. The Lord is my shelter in whom I trust. The plane is shaking. I'm scared to death. The Lord is my shelter in whom I trust. What do you say to yourself when you're scared to death? God forbid if you got on an airplane and you didn't know where your seat was. If you didn't know who you are in Christ. If you don't know that God loves you. If you don't know how much compassion he has for you. If you don't know his truth about, about whether or not the wings are going to fall off. So I love the way that he's talking to himself because he's a big chicken just like me. So he talks about the Lord or I dwell in the shelter of the most high. I love it. The refuge and the, and the shelter of the most high. What is that in the English language today? Fuselage. It's the fuselage of the airplane. The shelter, the refuge from, from, from all the turbulence, even though the, the, the whole plane travels through the turbulence, there is this place in Christ. Paul said it this way. We are seated with Christ in the heavenlies. Means I belong to the kingdom of God. I belong to his family. I have a seat in the kingdom. And so when we get into the fuselage, where do you go? You go to your seat. And, and, and it's interesting that the wind is going by us at like, I don't, know, I don't know, 300 miles an hour. I don't know. We don't break the sound barrier, so it's not success. So we're going 300 miles an hour. But isn't it interesting inside the cabin, you know, um, the air is pretty constant. You know, outside, you stick your window out the airplane, let a ball go, the ball goes that way. In an airplane, you throw the ball, ball up, and the ball just drops right down where it is. See, in Christ, there is a grace there is a mercy, there is a truth, there is compassion that even though your life will travel through the turbulence and turbulence is almost unavoidable, if you're going to travel, that you can experience the peace of God, the love of God, the compassion of God, the mercy of God. And you can say to your soul, the Lord is my refuge and my shelter in whom I trust. I am seated with God. I have my place in his kingdom. His wings are firmly attached to my life. I love the picture of the wings. It says, he will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you may seek refuge. Now if you could just leave that verse up there, Sarah, for us, because I, I want to stare at that for a little bit. I mean, and please do. Sometimes you're waiting for me to give you information and maybe the verse can just give it to you. If you just, just stare at it just for a second. Just just read it. I had to look it up because to me it looks like he's saying the same thing twice. Now I know that's a form of poetry in Hebrew literature. Um, I, um, but I thought it was interesting that he repeated the same idea twice to reinforce an idea of being secure in God's love. That's something you want to hear more than once. That's something you want to hear over and over again in your life. But I also noticed he didn't say it the same way twice. He didn't just repeat the same thing. And if you notice in that verse, the top part of it, he will cover you with his wings, is the act of God towards his people. The second part is under his wings you may seek refuge. It's the act of the people of God towards God. See, we, we want a life where God just covers us in adversity. And there's a part of that in the Christian faith, in our journey with God, that is God covering us. But there's also a part of it where you have to get, make the decision that I am going to run into his shelter. I am going to stay in his shelter. And a lot of us are like, well, it'll all work out if God wants it to. It's like, well, I don't think I buy it. I don't buy it. I know it sounds religious. I know it sounds biblical, but it's not. There's a part of this that is uh, that God wants to do this, but it requires for us to do this. 
If I could correlate this to the airplane idea, it would be um, that the captain turns on the fastened seatbelt light. But then we have to choose whether or not we're going to remain seated in grace. That silly little dumb video we showed at the beginning. The captain all day long can tell you to remain seated. And through his wisdom, inform you where the best place for you to be in the midst of... He can even warn you about the turbulence that's about to come. Jesus tells his disciples, he said, listen, in the world you will have turbulence. You will have tribulation. There will be wars and ruins of war and famine. He's like, he's telling us, listen, it's, it's not just going to get all sweet here and sweet and awesome. And, and we're just going to have this amazing flight. He's like, no, I'm, I'm just warning you as you get on the airplane, it's going to be a bumpy ride. So we got to ask ourselves, are we going to do what the captain tells us to do? Are we going to be remaining seated in the grace of God? But when turbulence happens, people just respond differently. You know, um, we freak out when things get difficult. I'm that guy that gets on the airplane. And uh, you know how they have those doors over the wings so that you can escape the plane? Um, when I come into the airplane, I will kind of act dumb now, like I'm looking at my number and I'll kind of like this, but really I know that in about five minutes, they're going to, the, 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 the travel person is going to come through, whatever we call them, uh, they're going to come through and the flight attendant is going to say, um, we thank you, these two seats over here, two seats over there, and, you know, and we're going to ask you that if the plane does experience some difficulty. Are you okay with opening the door to the pressurized cabin if we ask you to? I'm looking at those people, okay? First of all, I want to see if they're strong enough to actually pull the hatch down. And I'll be like, you know, you know, a flight attendant, come here, come on. I know that dude can't lift squat, okay? You, we need to get rid of him. But then what I'm looking for is that squirrely guy, you know, he's, it's Ted's twitching. What if he decides to depressurize the cabin when we don't need it depressurized? I'm a little concerned about what's going on there. So we got to ask ourselves, are we trusting God? When you look at the news about Russia um, and the kind of events, and, and I'm a military guy, and so I theorize about how's this going to play out and who's going to launch this and who's going to do that. And well, if we do that, it's going to do that. And, you know, on my spare time, I play a game called Risk. And it's all about battling wars. And I've, so I, I was in the military during the Cold War. So this is nothing new for me. It's like we knew you were there. You know, I watch The Hunt for Red October once a month, every month of my life. It's almost like I want it to happen, you know. But, you know, you start adding all that stuff up and then you add inflation. Then you add what's going on in your marriage and you add what's going, you know, the troubles that you're having with your four-year-old or whatever it may be. You may ask yourself the question, are the wings coming off of this thing? Are the wings coming off of this? So David continues, and and I'm looking at that same verse, and and he uses two different words to illustrate something to us. It uses the word... Pinion, not a word most of us use, but pinion and wing are used interchangeable in literature. But when pinion is used like this, and especially when it's being paralleled with another usage of the word wing, pinion includes the substructure of the wing, the metacarpals of a, of a, of a bird, the structure of the bony type structures that make up the wing. In a plane, it would be if you took the outer wrap off and you would see all the parts that go into making the wing itself. We're being told that God extends and that we find safety in the structure of the wing, its ability to flex, its ability to, to carry more than you know, 150% of the load that the world experiences. It's letting us know something about the way that's laid out. And, and see, that gives me hope. That means when I'm looking at life and life is difficult, I need to know that under the surface, there is a plan. There is a structure. There is a superstructure to my life because I can't handle things that God has a superstructure that can support and cover and that the wings are not going to fall off. That's what this part of the verse is referring to. 
is that God's structure, his plan, which is his extension of himself, and not that he has wings, he's using a metaphor here, He's not a big bird up there, but it's, it's kind of this idea of wings that God has the strength and the plan for every one of our lives that take refuge in him. That's beautiful. I mean, that's, that gives me confidence. Then he uses the word wings. And I, I like that word because it gives me the imagery of being wrapped up and being safe. One of the things that disappears first when life gets gnarly and it's a little bit gnarly, and it could get gnarly for us. I'm not trying to scare anybody, but I'm just echoing the words of Jesus. You will have turbulence. You will have tribulation. You will have rumors of war and famine. It's, I'm, I'm trying to give you the bad news so that you can discover the good news. And the good news is he is my shelter. He is my refuge. I can hide in his strength, in his structure, in his plan. But I also like the fact that in the middle of it all, there is this sense of shadowing, safety, softness, and beauty. Even when things get ugly, as they do in life, that in the presence of God, there's this sense of beauty that can still be encountered, a sense of warmth that can be experienced. When you take all this imagery and put it together, it just echoes what Jesus says in John 16, 33, he says, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In me. Jesus is the fuselage. In me you will have peace. Yes, the wind is ripping past you at 200 to 400 miles an hour on the outside. And yes, there's rain battering against it. And yes, this thing is shaking like crazy. But he says, remain in me. And when you're in me and when you have in your seat and when you've got your seat buckled and you have your confidence in me and you're walking in my ways, you will have peace. It's like, would you just tell me I'll have clear skies? No. <laughs> no, I, I am not here to prophetically tell you that America's got clear skies ahead of it. I don't think it does. I don't think it ever has. I think life has always had turbulence in it. I think every empire, every nation, everything, and life happens. Mountains are always there. Mountains were there before we were here. Turb the potential for uh, turbulence was there before we invented airplanes. We're the newcomers, you know, and I'm a newcomer, and I, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll fly for about 80 years. The question is, is, are you seated in Christ? Where's your relationship with God? And then I'm just going to say another thing here, and you're not going to like this part. The wings are not coming off on what God builds. Okay, you are safe in Christ. But I'm not making any promise for what you built. You can go on YouTube, again, greatest source of education, and you can look at all these primitive airplanes that were built before with the Wright brothers, and you'll see all these airplanes are shaped weird and, and the contraption that some of them try to get the, air, the wings to flap like this, and they'll fly for a second, then they crash, and you see them, you know, it's, it's real weird photography from the old days, and, and you'll see these things, people thinking that will fly. If you're doing marriage your way, I don't know if your wings are going to fall off or not. If you're doing it your way, the verse that comes to mind is, unless the Lord builds the house, those who labor, labor in vain. If you're going to do it your way, hey, cool, I hope it flies. I'm not like wishing bad things for you. But you got no promise from God that the wings aren't. So if you're doing marriage your way, I, I'm not getting in your airplane. I'm surprised any marriage works. To be honest with you, two people who sought each other out to see whether or not you're good for me or not, or you measure up to me, then cooperating with each other, sharing resources, as long as we're not in conflict, and then we're in conflict, we always have the opportunity to get out of it. I don't know how that ever works. So think about what it is that you're building. If you're building it, no promises here and no promises from God. But if the Lord's building the house, the wings are not coming off. And I know if you're an older person, and I'm putting myself in that category now, so there you go. If you're an older person, you're probably, if you're like a grandma, grandpa, you're probably, well, America's just going to hell in a handbasket. These kids are just no good, no good. And it's like, you're wrong. You're wrong. The wings are not falling off of anything that God's building. 
The question is, is whether or not America is what God's building or whether or not America is taking refuge in the Lord. Now, that's all enough to think. I'm not telling you God's guaranteed to America. Well, we were founded by Christians. Okay, so those guys, they, they, they built with God. Okay, but, but how about us now? I don't know. I really don't know about it. So you have got to determine, is your philosophy... You know, you may have a different view of how the origin of the species occurred. You may have a different view of, of what God is and what he's like and all this other stuff or what she may be like. Or, I mean, you may have all kinds of concepts. It's like there's only one concept that God is committed to, that when we are in Christ, no weapon formed against us will prosper, that nothing can separate us from the love of God, neither height nor depth nor principality nor death Nothing can separate us from the love of God. And there's another promise, that God will cause all things to work together for good to those who are called according to his purposes. And that God is faithful to complete that which he started in us. What is he saying? It's like, remain in your seat. The wings are not coming off if you're in me. If you're not in him, you might want to choose a different airline you might want to fly with somebody else. The last scripture I'll use today comes out of Hebrews 10, and I'll just read it, and I think it's self-explanatory. The writer says this, Therefore do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance. This is going to be a bumpy ride. And again, I'm not playing prophet up here about America. I'm not prophet. It's like, are you saying the Antichrist is going to pop out? I, uh, let's just put that stuff aside. I, I got no time to worry about the Antichrist. I, I, my back is killing me, and I, wanna, I, and I wanna help my grandchildren to grow up and be awesome people, okay? Antichrist, come on, what are we focusing on? Is this the end of the world? Come on, what are we worried about that stuff for? Stay in your seat, stay buckled up, and he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete that work. That's all you gotta worry about. The rumors of war and the movement of armies, there's few of us that are actually involved in making that determination. But we can determine whether or not we are in Christ, seated with Christ. And so we're told, you need endurance so that when you've done the will of God that you may land exactly where he wants you to land, you will have the promise. For yet in a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. When God's speaking to us, and I think he's speaking to us personally, here. And this may sound a little harsh, but he wants to kind of get us back in our seats. He says, but my righteous one, or us, shall live by faith. And if he or she shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. Doesn't mean you're lost. Doesn't mean you're, you know, God doesn't love you. It just, it's like you don't experience the pleasure of God in your life. You're, this is not a time to quit on God. In the middle of a difficult marriage, this is not the time to quit on the principles of God for marriage. I mean, your son just told you he's smoking weed or he doesn't know what gender he is. This is not a time to redefine God. This is not a time to give up your seat. This is not a time to shrink back. But we are not of those who shrink back to destruction, the crashing of an airplane but we are those who have faith to the persevering of the soul. And he closes and he says, now faith is the assurance of the things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Turbulence is part of flying and turbulence is part of faith. So don't be shocked that your airplane is doing this. I would say if and maybe this is for somebody online. Some people have just are too scared to come out again, too scared to live. Maybe you lost a loved one, so therefore you decided you cannot afford to love anyone. Maybe you're afraid to get sick. Maybe you're afraid to get shot. Maybe you're afraid of, of loving or because you could go through a divorce again or whatever. And you've decided I'm not flying anymore. There is no pleasure of God in that. That's a terrible place to be. You never go anywhere. 
But in order to live and live life, there is risk involved in it. But I will tell you this, your wings won't come off. The plane will not fall apart and God will get you where he wants to get you. You can't control the airflow. And I know that's hard, especially the moms. You know, you want to control everything about what's going on in your kid's life. And, and yet you have a responsibility to tuck them in under the shelter of the Most High. But there's a part also where you're just going to have to allow the opinions of God to stretch out over your life. And you're going to have to say to yourself, the Lord is my shelter. Even if you don't believe it, you've got to take out that ticket, see the boarding pass, listen to the boarding call, walk down, check it, check it, say it to yourself, the Lord is my refuge. He is my shelter. He's my high tower in whom I run and I am safe. And you need to go make sure you're sitting in the right seat and get there. And when you're there, buckle up and you are in Christ. Enjoy the flight. Get the peanuts. Enjoy the movie. The plane will shake plane will dip, but you will be safe. You will have peace with Christ. So make your, make your mouth say something that your ears can hear and that your soul can believe. God printed out the boarding pass. And it's this. This is what he wants you to say to yourself. My refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. You've been saying other things. I can handle this. I can do this. I'm good enough. I'm like, okay, I'm telling you what, when it feels like the wings are coming off, you can flap as much as you want. You need something bigger than you. And God wants you to say this to yourself so that your soul will believe it. God's wings aren't coming off. And as you come up and receive communion, this is a moment where you, you're, you're taking the cup and I know we got this neat little pack that we have and you open it up and you get your... But instead of just doing it real fast, this is your boarding pass. This is what you look at and it's like, I have a seat with Christ. I, I have a place with God. I am seated with Him. I belong to Him. I am in His kingdom. And as you eat the bread and as you drink the cup, you are affirming, you are saying, Lord is my refuge. He is my shelter in whom I trust. I will say it to my soul. My life is not going to hell in a handbasket. He who began a good work in me is faithful to complete it. And you stay in that seat. And I'm telling you, he who began a good work will get you exactly where you're supposed to be. Father, I thank you so much. And Lord, I know everyone here, if we got a vote, we'd want a universe without turbulence. But that's not the one that we're in. You've already told us, with just as much authority as you said, remain in me and you will have peace. With the same authority you said, you will have turbulence. Just don't be surprised by it. Don't shrink back and don't start walking about the cabin if I told you you need to remain seated in trusting in me this is not the time to give up Father this bread and this cup remind us that you're committed to get us where you have planned you gave up your life we could have new life. You died so that we could resurrect. And Father, today, we will no longer hear to all the other things that scare us. And yes, our plane is shaking, but we are safe in Christ.